Welcome back to the Legacy Podcast. Uh, I'm here today with not Wyatt, uh, but we have back with us Mr. Matt Clark. How are you, Matt? Good. How are you? I'm good. So Wyatt uh, kind of bailed on us this week. Or, uh, we just didn't uh, make time for him or who knows what happened, but he's not here. So those of you who are um, big Wyatt fans, we apologize. <laughs> You're just going to have to listen to us this week. Uh, but we have Matt here uh, just to talk about something that I think is very important um, for the Legacy Podcast, just for this idea of, um, you know, healthy families, healthy churches, what does all that look like? How can we help um, be a tool to equip uh, some of our, our parents and church leaders to kind of think along these lines a little more? So today and over the next couple episodes, we're going to talk about family devotions a little bit. Um, and today we're really just going to kind of dive into um, you know, what family devotions are and just kind of you know, not go too deep on it, but get a, a surface level, uh, at least um, crack at it, and then see how much more we can dig into it uh, in the coming weeks. But I have a, a couple questions for us to consider here on the podcast, and, and Matt is uh, full of so many um, insightful thoughts of wisdom, so we are going to pull those out of him and, and, and just kind of have a, a dialogue about these things. But the first question I have is simply, what are family devotions? So I think it's important to define our terms so people know what we're talking about when we say family devotions. So uh, Matt, how would you describe family devotions? Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, um, obviously sharing the Word of God with your family, mm. right? The, the, like the, the high-level definition of that would be, and, and by the way, I don't have a wealth of knowledge. I'm just <laughs> spouting stuff. You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> uh, um, well, we talked about this before we started, and I just think that uh, I should kind of start out with, you know, um, I have three grown children. My youngest is a, is a senior in high school, looking back, did I do family devotions well, mm -hmm. right? And um, feeling very in inadequate <laughs> to have this conversation because, mm -hmm. you know, if you, your mind immediately goes to, well, six out of seven days a week, you, you know, at night you gather around the, <laughs> the dinner table and mm -hmm. you do your, open the Bible and um, read a really, really in-depth passage and apply it to your three-year-old children and, <laughs> And they go, oh, dad, that's wonderful, <laughs> right? I didn't do any of that. <laughs> I mean, we tried over the years. We definitely tried to have um, devotion times, but um, I don't know if defining family devotions is that. Like, mm. But I would, my mind would def default to that. I don't yeah. know about you. Yeah. Just, um, and maybe your family, you grew up and you remember at three years old saying, oh, dad, that was wonderful. <laughs> I don't remember anything from three years old. No, I I mean, I grew up homeschooled my whole life. So um, really in, in our kind of context, it was kind of woven into our schooling. Okay. Um, and, you know, my dad wasn't there a lot of the time. It was usually our, our mom just kind of leading us. And, you know, we would read passage of scripture or we would often memorize scripture together as a family. And that was really cool. And, and for a long time, I thought, you know, family devotions were just kind of that, you know, set aside time where you had to, you know, every day of the week or every weekday, whatever, uh, you had to make sure you did this, um, you know, family time where you're talking about the word of God. And I do think that, that that's important, but I think that's maybe too narrow of a definition for just this idea of family devotions, because like you said at the beginning, uh, it's, you know, reading and talking about the Word of God with your family, and I think that can look different in a lot of um, variety of contexts, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's probably where people's brains naturally, naturally tend to go, go yeah. of like, well... Every night at 9 p.m., we got to sit down on the couch, light a candle, and <laughs> read the word together. And yeah. not that that's a bad thing. So, no, if you're doing that and, um, you know, more power to you, keep yeah. doing it. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, but a lot of times that's difficult. And that's, 
uh, you know, if you're just starting out, that's probably not going to be a, a good practice, especially if you're trying to hit consistency. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. that's just hard to do, you know, on a, on a daily basis. Um, so before we get too far into talking about what family devotions are, I think that you and I would both agree that at its most basic level, it's just reading and talking about the word of God together yeah. with your family. Yeah. Um, the, the word devotions, like what are you devoted to? Right? Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, totally agree. We would devote ourselves to the word, our word of God. I mean, you know, in scripture we see where people would devote themselves to the preaching of the word, the reading of the word. Um, and, and so I think that's super important, especially in the home as well. Yeah, and I think that's that's a crucial... I mean, I even take that for granted mm-hmm. um, in this conversation is that that goes without saying, but it's great to say it, that mm-hmm. when we say family devotions, we're saying devoted to the Word of God, learning the Word of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, why? Why do we read the Word of God? Well, it's because that's how we can know God. It's right. not just... And communicate with Him. And we don't just worship the Bible as a family, because that was that would be wrong, right? That's We're, a really good point. And, and families, early American families would do that, right? Yeah. The Bible in the middle of the table with, mm-hmm. you know, all the lineage on it, that would be the... You know, it's all pretty... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, family devotions devoted to the Word of God for the purpose of knowing God and loving God um, as a family, and so that's what we're after in family devotions. And again, we'll get into you know how that might look in a variety of contexts. But uh, I want to s- kind of shift now into talking about and thinking about what the biblical foundation mm-hmm. for family devotions uh, would be. So, um, if you all listened to the most recent episode uh, of the podcast, you would have heard me uh, basically give a sermon on, on Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, which I think is a great place to go for a biblical foundation. Um, and, and if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. Uh, but Matt, what are some you know biblical principles or, or texts or passages that you would go to to kind of uh, just build? From that Deuteronomy 6 passage. Yeah. Um, well, one thing I thought of before we jump into that real quick is I loved in your, um, your message or your, I mean, cause you, you made that a sermon afterwards, um, was the, the kind of the highlight that family devotions start with personal devotions, mm. you know, and I, I thought that was fantastic and I totally agree. And that leads me to kind of one to me, one of the primary verses that I go to for this idea mm. is first um, Peter three fifteen, where it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm. And so I think as our kids were growing up, being able to, in the moment, in life, help them answer um, the reason or give a defense for the reason of the hope that's in them mm-hmm. is huge. Even from, I remember each one of them, I don't know if you guys, you went through this, but there was a period of time where um, they all um, were saved at a relatively young age, different ages, but relatively young age, but there was a point where they were very, very concerned and questioning um, whether they could lose their salvation mm-hmm. if they were actually ever saved, mm-hmm. what God had, you know, had God actually done a work in their lives and being yeah. able to work that through with mm-hmm. them meant diving into the word and mm-hmm. talking about what it says about those things. Yeah. So that verse especially came out in my mind as a good verse. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Um, the Proverbs 22, 6, uh, train up a child on the way he should go, even when he is old, mm-hmm. he will not depart it from it. Um, that also is another kind of key verse for me is, you know, if you if you give your child a good foundation in the word, um, when the hard time comes, they will default to thinking about that or referring to that, even if they don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. They'll know that you turn to that, to the Bible for those answers, mm-hmm. and that will lead them to the same same place. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of other verses, but those are the, probably the biggest two yeah. that I... Yeah, I uh, thought of Ephesians 6, um, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your mm-hmm. children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right. Um, you know, I think that discipline and instruction of the Lord is really just referring to all of Scripture. You yeah. Know, like, um, 
And, and to go even a little bit further um, into, you know, why we, we um, have this devotion to Scripture, I, and we said earlier that it's the way that we know know God and love God, but it's also, I mean, Scripture is the only thing that transforms people's hearts. Uh, and so, you know, I've never had kids, uh, hopefully plan to one day, but uh, I've had plenty of siblings, and I know that uh, kids can sometimes be like the devil. <laughs> <laughs> they can be a lot sometimes, and, and, and you know, that's just because all of us are naturally born sinful, and yeah. you see that come out a lot more in kids that, um, you know, haven't you know, received the, the discipline because they're so young, and it takes time to, to train up those children. But it takes time to hide it better. <laughs> it's, it's also true. <laughs> but, you know, in those early ages, you know, especially if your kids have made a, a profession of faith in Christ, then um, the only way that they're going to mature in Christ is through the Word of God. They're not going to m- mature... Um, you know, through through any other means, they're not going to mature through you simp- simply, you know, sharing your opinion with them. Yeah, they might gain more knowledge, but spiritual maturity only comes through the Word. Uh, and I think starting out at an early age for them, helping them understand it. And I think I said this in um, my my sermon um, episode, but it, it's not about you know dumbing it down for kids, but helping bring them to the the level of biblical understanding so that they can apply the truths of Scripture to their own life and so that you can help them apply those truths to their own life. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, we, we want to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord so that they can certainly know God and love Him, but also so that they can continue to do that more and more so that they can grow in their uh, ability to to think rightly and to love rightly and to act rightly. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that's kind of a, a baseline biblical foundation for having family devotions. Uh, would you say anything more on that point? Um, I was just thinking about, you know, kind of all of this we've just talked about is under the assumption that our kids have accepted Christ, but mm-hmm. there's obviously cases where they haven't or they're still working through it, or even your spouse hasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it drives me to, or it makes me think of the verse um, in 1 Peter 3.1, and it's talking about wives, but the the concept is, is, is translatable to other parts of your family. It says, likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, though even if some... Do not obey the word; they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. Mm. And so that the context of that is about um, there may be a case where a husband and wife have gotten married; one of them has um, uh, been transformed and been saved after mm-hmm. they've gotten married, and the other one is not not a Christian. And um, this kind of the context of stay in the relationship, mm-hmm. but in your submission and your silence and your deeds, your actions, you are um, you're you're sharing the gospel with mm-hmm. with your husband, right? Um, that context can also apply to how you devote your time and your actions to your kids. Mm-hmm. Like if they're growing in uh, in your household and they're growing up, but they're not saved, your quiet devotion to the Lord. You're sharing the gospel with them mm-hmm. can be effective yeah. in helping them. So that's absolutely, yeah. I think of you know Romans ten. Um, you know, faith comes through hearing the word. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, certainly in in your con conduct, you might be able to to win them over. But I think you know it, it might be implied in that idea of conduct. But that conduct is conduct that's centered around the word of God. Right. You're, right. You're you know, reading the Word of God in front of your family, you're applying the Word of God, you're, you're just acting differently because of the truth of the Word of God that's at work in your life. Right. So, yeah, I, I think that's awesome. I think um, I think that's a good starting place to continue to, to dive deeply uh, into uh, this discussion. But let's take a break there, and then we'll jump back into it. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the conversation that we're having today. And if you are, uh, we would love it if you would just leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, we would also really appreciate it if you would share uh, this episode and this this podcast with your friends, your family, and your church leaders. Um, not because we think that anything that we are saying is so you know great or profound, but we do think that the conversations that we're having are important for churches and families to consider. So uh, please feel free to do that. And now back to the content. Okay. So uh, while we were on our break, we thought it'd be fun to offer some uh, examples in Scripture where uh, this family devotions or you know raising your children uh, in the way of the Lord was not... Um, done well. And so Matt thought of uh, an example. So take us there, Matt. (laughs) So 1 Samuel um, 2, starting in verse 12, I don't want to read the whole thing, but even the title of that section, it's um, Eli's Worthless Sons. So kind of to paraphrase or summarize the the section. Um, Eli is the um, priest of the nation of Israel, and he has two sons, and it goes right off, and he says, now the sons of Eli were worthless men. So um, they just did pretty much everything that you could think of wrong. They took advantage of um, Eli as a priest, his his position. They um, mistreated the people of Israel, like... um, Verse thirteen. Uh, this is kind of a weird, weird thing, but you know, unrelated to today. But while the meat was boiling with a three pronged fork in his hand, he would thrust it into the pan or kettle and the pot and pull out some of the meat. Um, that would be equivalent to if our, you know, uh, so for me as having a job or something, if I owned a grocery store or something, and my sons just came in and uh, people were buying some food, and they came up to him and said, I'll take that and just take it from them, you know, and walked mm. away or whatever. I mean, just, mm-hmm. you know, mistreating or mishandling uh, the job, but also mishandling um, what was sacrificed to the Lord. So mm-hmm. it was even worse than that, right? Yeah. And so you, you kind of see that through um, these chapters. Uh, and then um, in verse 22, it even starts to say that Eli was rebuking. Um, his sons, but you know, when Eli was very old and he kept hearing that all his sons were doing in Israel and how, you know, they just, they did a bad, a lot of bad stuff. You can read it for yourself, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, the, that, um, he starts to rebuke them then. And it's kind of a little too, too little too late at that point. Right. So he's rebuking them, but they're all grown up and they're, they're out of the house and, um, God reaches out to Samuel, who Samuel was um, uh, Hannah. I think she had a um, she prayed for a, a child. God blessed her with the child. She made a promise to God that if you bless me with a child, I will um, basically give my child to the to the ministry of the word, and and my child will be um, uh, live with the priest and will be a priest, right? Mm-hmm. And basically give her child up. So Samuel's living with Eli being raised by Eli and the church and God um, comes to him directly in the middle of the night and speaks to him and says, you got to go tell the person who's raising you that he screwed up raising his own kids and it's bad and it's so bad that you're going to be punished for this. Mm-hmm. And so I think that whole kind of dial, I mean, God takes a long time. Uh, I mean, uh, chapter two, chapter three, he just takes a long time describing this story, and I feel like because he's taking so long to describe the story, it's relevant to this idea of family devotions and how damaging mm. it can be to not uh, spend time with your kids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, as uh, as we were uh, looking at this scripture, I opened my Bible to this passage, and apparently I had some words <laughs> of wisdom for myself, so I wrote it down in my journaling section of my Bible. But I put that Eli... Failed to discipline his children, therefore his family was rejected. Then I said, "Don't fail as a father." Uh, so pretty good. He's probably talking to yourself, to right? Yeah, your future absolutely. self. Um, it, I put that it's the father's responsibility to raise his children to know the Lord. Um, and as we were looking at this, as as Matt was talking, I noticed too. Um, 
Well, let me first say that, you know, as we share this and as you know, you're listening to this, I hope you don't hear, and this was not our intention at all, but but don't hear that we're uh, condemning you or, or mm, saying that your right. sons are worthless because right, right. you haven't yeah, done absolutely. family devotion. Uh, but even if you have uh, not done well in this area, I think that there's a lot of hope in this passage, uh, in this passage because in verse 35 of Second uh, Samuel or First Samuel 2, it says, this is the Lord speaking um, to Eli. He says, And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who hmm. shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Well, who's he talking about there? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. He's talking about yeah. Jesus. So uh, regardless of our failure, regardless of Eli's failure, the Lord has already uh, provided us with a better priest, uh, a better father uh, in a sense as well. So uh, regardless of our failure, right, there's, there's one who makes up for that and there's one who uh, encourages us to continue to pursue faithfulness to the Lord, uh, even in this area of you know raising your children. Uh, so I just wanted to share that as we were looking at that. That's great because I think, you know, making sure that we bring ourselves back to the grace of God mm-hmm. in every circumstance. None of us are perfect fathers, yeah. mothers. You know, we, we make mistakes, but um, that's where the grace of God and um, the guidance of God and these wonderful podcasts, right, <laughs> give you encouragement on moving forward. Uh, uh, we equate them on the same level. But. <laughs> not at all, not at all. <laughs> But we're reading scripture on the podcast, so yeah, that's definitely uh, up there. <laughs> I did think we talked about this too. That um, you know, there's a couple of proverbs: Proverbs twenty nine fifteen and twenty two fifteen. The rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And then folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Mm. You know, a lot of people take that as, you know, well, we've got to spank our kids. If we don't spank them, they're going to be ruined. <laughs> and there is truth to that. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more just discipline, reproof, just, you know, um, not waiting, being um, bold as a mother or father mm-hmm. to stand up to your kids. Yeah. And if you don't do that, the earlier you start, the easier it get, the easier it is. Mm-hmm. It's never easy, but I'm just like, if you wait, kind of like with Eli, if you wait till they're grown mm-hmm. and then you start to rebuke them, it's just, it's going to be hard for them to listen to it. And it's going to be hard for you to do it. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it gets harder as they get older. Yeah. So, which is why I think it's so crucial to remember our priorities in parenting. Right. Like we're not given children so that we can, um, worship our children or, or seek their ultimate good above everything else. Because if you do that, then you're likely not going to discipline them right. a whole lot, you know, because they don't like it. So uh, you don't want to do something to them that they don't like. Uh, but when we have our priority as, you know, glorifying God and loving him or, well, well, Scripture says this is how you're supposed to raise your right. children. And so, uh, and ultimately that will end up in their ultimate good. Right? If, if they're... Uh, being raised in the way of the Lord, um, th- then that's for their good. Obviously, you know, parents do a wonderful job, and sometimes kids still, um, you know, do not come to the Lord, um, and that's not in our hands; that's in the Lord's hands. But you know, as a general principle, right? If we we love the Lord above all things, um, we're going to discipline our children. Uh, well, because we want them to come to love and obey the Lord above all things as well. I have a story I just thought of. Oh, uh, all right. So it's actually, it's super geeky. <laughs> Are you ready for super geeky? I don't expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I was doing some research a while back when I in my engineering job about um, uh, behaviors and habits of people as they relate to other animals, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and this is all in the context of different types of unmanned robots doing different things, right? So that was that was the context is, you know, how do you, um, what are, it was called, what, are, what is flocking behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So bees flock, birds flock, like all, there's all kinds of different congregation type. And this one paper that I read looked at um, which type of animal do we re- represent the most or the closest when it comes to group dynamics and behavior. Mm-hmm. You'll never guess which one. 
Sheep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely sheep. We most uh, human behavior is most like the sh- behavior of a sheep, mm. right? But they did an experiment once, and um, it's just very interesting that um, if you put a fence around a, a herd of sheep, right? They tend to go out to the edge of the fence and will eat along the fence. And so you actually, over time, you know, shepherds, if they're not taking them out, if they're in a a field or an area, Mm -hmm. they'll move the fence around so they can kind of Mm -hmm. make the grass. If you take the fence away, can you guess what the sheep do? What would you think that they would do? Do they all clump together and eat the grass? They do. They don't even actually eat the grass. They get really stressed and confused and depressed. They all clump together in one little small huddle Hmm. all together because they want to be protected. They don't feel the protection of the boundary that was created for them, Hmm. right? And so because they don't feel protected and safe, they lose lose their appetite. They stop eating. Like their whole demeanor changes Hmm. because they don't have a boundary. Hmm. And so it's just interesting because it, it has correlations to family devotions. Like you're giving your kids boundaries mm-hmm. and those boundaries help them succeed and thrive because mm-hmm. they'll hit those boundaries and they'll, t- and what better boundaries to give than the Bible, yeah. right? I mean, we can yeah. give our own boundaries. Um, I grew up, I had a friend that his parents uh, were dedicated to not giving their kids his, he was an only child, um, not giving him any boundaries, letting him decide anything he wanted goes mm. ever. I, I don't know how he's doing now, <laughs> but that does seem to be a, a trend yeah. these days, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even to the point of identity, like mm. y- um, you as a child get to choose everything on your by yourself. Mm. And how, um, aside from your political views or anything, how, if you take the model of the sheep, how depressing, mm. you know, because you're basically saying to a very young person, you have no boundaries you have no constraints. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Seems daunting and yeah. fearful and and just scary, yeah. right? So, oh, that's interesting. We should uh, we should get a group of kids and put them in a fence and see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> you may have taken it a little too far. <laughs> no, that is that is really cool. I'd, I'd never known that, but uh, yeah, it's awesome. All right, so uh, the next question that I have is. Right, we've been talking about some of these biblical principles. Um, so how do these biblical principles inform how family devotions ought to look? Uh, and maybe, um, yeah, we can try to answer this question now, but I, I think that, again, it's, it's just kind of a hard thing to nail down. But what are some ideas or, or some things that you would take away from what we've talked about in Scripture, uh, what are those family devotions? What should they look like? I mean, I think um, so. One, I, you made a mention earlier. Made mention earlier that because you were homeschooled, your mom did a lot of devotions during your schooling. Our kids were very similar. They were hybrid, homeschooled, and um, private schooled. Um, but Julie did a lot of uh, homeschooling at their early age, and the same thing. Like they would do devotions during that. They would take time to do. I think the regular practice early of showing your kids how to open their Bible and study and read, memorize verses, trying to get that into instilled in them in some disciplined way mm-hmm. is really, really good. And and Julie did the bulk of that work um, when, when they were younger. Um, and I think that's just it's a team effort for sure. And, yep. uh, you know, she just she did amazing with mm-hmm. that. I mean, there was a point where John Piper had this thing called fighter verses. Mm-hmm. And we would go through those. I'm terrible at memorizing things. It's just really hard for me. Mm. Um, but um, she would have them memorize, you know, whole chunks, chapters of, of mm. scripture. And um, it was really, really great. Um, so I think that just that rote trying any way you want, if it's dinner time, if it's morning, if it's whatever that time is, doesn't have to be every day. Mm-hmm. Just getting your kids to open the Bible mm-hmm. and read it for themselves yeah. and study and think is vitally important. Right. That practice of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, pretty common, I would say, I guess, in, in not common, but, you know, if, if families are going to do it, I feel like that's a, a generally a common way to do it, especially for homeschooling families, you know, because more often than not, it's the 
the mother who's staying home with the kids and, and the father's you know, out working or whatever. And so usually the mother will take kind of the lead on, you know, the, the family discipleship or devotions. Unless you're the stay-at-home dad doing with, homeschooling. Right, which I think that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> but, you know, even in that, it's not like the husband is completely removed or the father's completely removed from that. I think, you know, I would think you would probably say that your responsibility in that, you know, probably wasn't to teach the kids all these things, but, you know, you're still the spiritual leader for your wife. You're still the, the head of your household in that way, even though that, that didn't look like you necessarily um, taking every teaching opportunity, right? Your wife did a lot of that, but you were still, you know, providing oversight. You were still, um, you know, I mean, spiritually caring for your wife so that she didn't feel the complete burden of that, right? You, you were able to, to minister to her. Um, is, is that how it was? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, that get sound... Julie in here and ask. Yeah, her probably. <laughs> I, uh, oh, I don't know. I yeah. yes, it should be that way. I I I don't. Mm. I wouldn't say that we did well at that. Mm. I or I should I should say it better. I don't know if I did well at that. Mm. Like, um, I would definitely have done it different growing you know yeah. uh, and and i made a ton of mistakes yeah. um i also am very very proud of my wife mm. and um and her devotion and so i don't know i don't i don't take you know the whether it's right or wrong i don't uh i don't think i i, I led the patriarchal role <laughs> of uh, yes, my children, like I, I didn't do that <laughs> yeah. as well as, as I would have liked to. Um, one thing that I would have, if I go back, uh, other than my own personal devotion and, and, you know, my growing in my own character, mm-hmm. I would have been more, uh, more encouraging, more, um, supportive of, um, of that devotion time, mm-hmm. um, it always would come down to okay, we're going to do devotions with the kids, you know, the the, the classical thing, mm-hmm. uh, and we would do it for a couple of days, you know, every week for a couple of weeks, and then it would kind of, and I always remember in my head, and you know, Julie would you know we talk about it, and she say you get home from work and whatever, and you're tired, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to do it tonight. Mm-hmm. Is she going to mention it? If she mentions it, we're going to do it, <laughs> and she's thinking, oh, I don't want to do it tonight. Is he going to mention it? Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't mention it, we're not going to do it. And that mm-hmm. would it's just constant battle yeah. of overcoming laziness overcoming mm. um so yes that's the way it's supposed <laughs> to look <laughs> uh yeah yeah and uh, like i'm by no means saying that i do a good job of that either you know i don't have any kids but even still trying to intentionally you know be the the spiritual leader in my home and to be a shepherd for my wife is you know, it, it goes against the grain of what, our our laziness. You know, and it's yeah. it takes effort, it takes intentionality, um, but I think it's you know definitely worth the pursuit. And even you know, even if you or I have struggled in that in the past, like it's it's not too late to to right. pick it up and, and and continue to work on it. The best marriage counseling I can give in this area mm-hmm. is ballroom dancing. <laughs> <laughs> We're going again tonight, but the biggest thing about ballroom <laughs> dancing is teaching you to lead. Mm. You know, there's a leader and a follower, yeah. and it's not about one person's a better dancer than the other. It's just somebody's got to lead. Mm-hmm. You got two people, and if they're both trying to lead, you don't go right. anywhere, right? Yeah. And it's or if they're both trying to follow, <laughs> or if they're both trying to follow, right. right? And so it that's probably in the last year and a half of struggling through trying to learn. <laughs> we're we're like still in the basic lessons <laughs> going through, but that's the biggest thing. The it's a husband and wife couple that do it, and they're mm. older. They're just so cute. But she comes up and she says, "You got to lead. You mm. got. I mean, she's not going to go anywhere." And she would look at Julie and she's like, "You don't move unless he leads." <laughs> it just it was just funny. So uh-huh. I would tell him, you know, it's like uh-huh. you guys should have a counseling minister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's good good to illustrate their points. For yeah, you. yeah, it's cool. Um, so I guess back to the question of how did these biblical principles inform how family devotions ought to look? I think. Um, 
one of the books that I've read uh, called Family Worship by Donald Whitney. I think I mentioned it in the last episode. Uh, great book, short book. I think you should get it. Uh, but in that book, he kind of highlights that there are three key components to family devotions, uh, and those are uh, read, pray, and sing. So read the Word, mm. pray together, and then sing together. And uh, he, he provides a quote from Spurgeon in there, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but I'm still going to say it anyway. Are you going to do it in Old English? Probably not, because that, <laughs> <laughs> that would not be good. Um, but it's essentially along the lines of, you know, those who read the Bible together do well, um, those who pray together do better, and then those who, uh, well, I guess read the Bible and pray together do better, but those who read the Bible, pray together, and sing together do best of all. Um, and I think that's really cool um, because I think that there is a, a value in uh, you know singing together, right? The scripture encourages us to to sing together. I think of uh, Colossians three sixteen, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, certainly, Paul was writing that to the church, but I think it also applies. Uh, even in your own homes, because I think that the, the home is supposed to be a reflection of the church. Um, so yeah, uh, reading, uh, reading the word together, praying together, and then singing together are, are three things that you know aren't, aren't super difficult to do. Uh, it doesn't take a, a master's degree to be able to do any of that. Uh, you just you're gonna, it's gonna have to take some planning. It's gonna have to take some effort, some intentionality to it. Um, but yeah. Does rapping count? Rap <laughs> depends on uh, what songs, I guess. Probably, but <laughs> well, I meant making a rap to Bible oh. verses. Like, oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> Maddie's family uh, or Maddie's fiance's family, he's a worship director at mm-hmm. their church, and she's gone over there to visit with them, and they, you know, they do the singing and the vote, like. It's very impressive. Yeah. I, for one, have a very bad singing voice. Um, and But you're a rapper. <laughs> I just, as you were talking, I was remember this one time we we would do catechisms here at, at Cornerstone yeah. and trying to help the kids learn their verses. And and I just remember one time we were, we were ha- trying to help them learn their verses and I, mm-hmm. I just made a rap to one of them. <laughs> and they went back to church and they were like rapping the verse. <laughs> Do you remember this rap? No. Uh, <laughs> Even if I did, I wouldn't share it. <laughs> I mean, it was John 10. Uh, I remember the the last part of it. <laughs> but again, not going to rap it. Not going to share it. Yeah, but it was John 10, 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Mm. And I mean, you can obviously hear a rap. Yeah, in that, right? I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I guess rapping would count. It counts. <laughs> right. Um yeah, that's <laughs> that's good. Um, all right, uh, let's take a break there, and then we'll continue on. Hey, we hope you're enjoying listening to this episode of the podcast. I wanted to take a minute just to remind our listeners uh, about... Uh, what we're all about here uh, at the Legacy Podcast, and, and just uh, point out to our listeners that really what we're trying to do is be a resource for churches and for families uh, so that they might uh, leave a legacy of biblical faithfulness for generations to come. Uh, I know you guys have heard me say that over and over again here on the podcast, but you know that's really what we're about. We want to leave a legacy of biblical faithfulness for generations to come in order that um, gospel impact might long outlive each and every one of us. Now back to the content. Okay, so the next question that we are going to consider, and I doubt we'll spend a whole lot of time here because we've already talked about it a little bit already, um, but it's just a question of who is in charge of family devotions. Yeah, it's kind of, I feel like it's a loaded question, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously... Maybe we will spend more time on it. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we talked about this earlier. Biblical, the Bible says that the the father is the head of the household, right? And so mm-hmm. obviously they're responsible for 
been in charge of, but it is totally a team effort. Mm. And um, there are definitely times where uh, the the wife will probably more often than the father bring it up mm. and being sensitive to that and willing to, or even there have been times where our kids, as we were growing, you know, as they were growing up, it's like, are we going to have devotions tonight? And it's, you know, it's just a bad, bad call to say, no, no, <laughs> you know, you gotta like, uh, so in charge of, um, I think it's everybody's responsibility. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely the father's responsibility to mm-hmm. to be open, be encouraging to it, mm-hmm. to be on his his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not his nature. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest struggle is because of the fall. It's the it's the wife or the woman's nature to be nurturing to the children. Mm. And to think about it more often than the father. The father tends to be the provider. The wife tends to be the nurturer. Mm. Um, so knowing that and really realizing that and being sensitive to your wife's convictions in mm. the area and and your own failings, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, while the father might not necessarily be in charge, I guess. I think there's a, a big, um, you know, aspect of it where the the father has to champion. And mm-hmm. He has yeah, to. Yeah, that's a great word. Um, you know, advertise it or or promote it, right? Even though he might not be the one who's you know weekly or daily preparing whatever it is that's going to be talked about for family devotions, he has to be. Uh, the leader in the family to say, all right, kids, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. Encouraging his wife, all right, like, how can I help you in doing this? Because like you said, she might have more of a passion to do that. She might have more time or desire to prepare for things like that. Uh, And so even if you as a father are not the one doing all those things, you, you need to be the one who is championing that. You need to be the one who is promoting it to your family. You need to be the one who is... Uh, supporting your wife, encouraging your wife to continue even when it's difficult, even when it's, you know, not the most convenient thing to do. Um, and again, I'm not condemning anybody for not doing this because right. everybody fails at this, you know. It's, but, you know, I just And want, everybody succeeds, like God, right. you know, through his grace. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and so we just want to encourage, right? We don't want to condemn. We just want um, you to be encouraged to kind of take up this role uh, because it's important. Because uh, it's you know what the Lord uh, wants from His children. I thought of something else that okay. we didn't talk about. Okay. I think it goes one step further that I didn't it didn't hit me until just now is that um, the role of the church mm. as being in charge of family devotions, right? Mm. So the role of the church in training, building up, encouraging the family, the fathers and the mothers, mm. um, and even the kids too. But yeah. you know, being a part of that. Um, network and that uh, continuing to provide the resources, to provide the encouragement, to provide the devotions, like having men study groups, women study groups, mm-hmm. kid groups, gra- gathering together as a as a family unit, yeah. church unit, mm-hmm. um, corporate worship, all feed into uh, and is a responsibility of the church to help the family do devotions. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I I like that. It's good. All right, uh, so I think we've sufficiently answered that question. So just a couple more questions to kind of conclude um, this episode. But um, where does one start? You know, we've talked a lot about this. We've um, you know talked a lot about what it could look like, what it ought to look like in some ways. Uh, but for you know somebody who might be listening to this and has never really thought about it, never really attempted this, where would you say is a good starting point? Um, for yeah. So I, I go back to your, your sermon. Like I think, excuse me, if, um, if you're not doing regular devotions yourself as a husband or a wife or as, a, you know, parents of a, 
of a family, if you're not doing that, that's the place to start. Mm. You gotta, you gotta do that on a regular basis. Get with, and if you're not in a local church, um, get in a local church, mm. become a member of a local church, be, be, be a participant of that. Not because, um, you know, you need to give, you know, pay your dues or whatever, but you need those resources so that you, um, can be doing those family devotions and out of that devotion in your life, mm-hmm. um, will come, the devotions uh, to to do the or the the charge to do family devotions. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is just start wherever. Start mm-hmm. with the breakfast table as you're getting your kids ready for school, mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, how many people know? How many of you know the story of Jonah? Mm-hmm. Right? And just you know, start with the Bible story. Start with you know the the, the book of John and the story of Christ. Right? Mm-hmm. And so if if those things have not been, even if they've learned it in Sunday school, but they haven't learned it at home, if those haven't been topics of conversation at home, just start the conversations. Start with stories, yeah. you know, and depending on the age of your kids, right? right. Obviously, yeah. Um, I wouldn't start with predestination, <laughs> or you know, I just I would I would start with the things that start uh, with the gospel. Start with the gospel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I think that. It would be most beneficial for this to be a daily thing, um, because I think you know the book uh, from Donald Whitney, Family Worship, um, says this over and over again. But just the fact that God deserves to be daily uh, worshipped in our homes and by our families, and, and I agree with that. Right, God deserves to be worshipped at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so because He is worthy, this should be a daily thing. But I think immediately trying to jump in and start there. Uh, you know, you might get burnt out on that really quickly. So, you know, maybe it's, you know, a couple days a week or maybe it's just one one day a week to start out with, with the end goal of hopefully working towards, you know, a, making it a daily habit in your home. Um, but, you know, trying to start out there, it's it, it could be rough. It, it could be poorly received. Um, so building in your kids a desire to want to do that, right? Because it's not it's not on their radar, most likely. If you've never done it, it's not going right. to be on their radar. It's not going to be something that they necessarily want to do. Uh, but if you slowly start implementing that and, and giving them a taste for what that could be, what you know, just reading the Word of God together as a family, um, you know, I you know, I pray that over time that would begin to develop in your kids a desire to want to do that more and more. So, you know, maybe down the road that does become, maybe your kid comes up to you and says. Hey, we should do this more often, or, yeah. or something, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. start small, I would say, but but hopefully working towards you know making it a, a daily habit. And again, these are principles that I need to apply to my own <laughs> life, um, because it's so much against our nature. Um, One thing with that too is um, being engaged in your kids' everyday life activities. They're mm. fed, and we are too, with so much information from the world. Yeah. Right. And um, being able to uh, say what the Bible says about the circumstances that they're in, um, whatever uh, conflicts they're in, issues they're in, struggles they have, being able to take that struggle and uh, directly apply it to the word Mm. is not easy. And it, again, requires a community to do. Mm -hmm. um, But but being willing to not only understand where your kids are at and have that open dialogue but then go back to the word if you don't know and say, what is the word? Or ask someone else, ask your pastor or whatever. What does the word say about homosexuality? What does the word say about creation? Mm -hmm. What is the word like being able to answer those questions back to being ready, Mm -hmm. but in the moment is just as much or even more devotions as the kind of just the structured structured. Right. Yeah. 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 It should be, I mean, the Deuteronomy passage says, Talk about it all the time when you're walking, when you're sitting. Right. Like, yeah. You know, just having open communication with your kids, I think, right. is a great place to start. Right. Starting to develop those habits, um, because there are a lot of things that they deal with, a lot of things that uh, they need counsel on. Right. Um, so you know, you being there for them in that regard is super important. All right. Well, the last thing I want to talk about is just see if. Matt or myself have any resources that we might think would be helpful. Um, so do you have any that come to mind, Matt? 
of the Bible. No. The Bible, it's a great one, number yeah. one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure I do. I can't think of any right now. I don't know why. I mean, um, uh, do you have any, Austin? And maybe if I think of, I know we've read obviously tons of books on raising kids and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. But I just can't think of anything right yeah. at the moment. Well, the one that I've mentioned a couple times, Family Worship by Donald Whitney. Yeah. Uh, it's a great book, super short, um, super easy to read. It is convicting. Uh, but it's convicting in a good way. I don't know if there's bad conviction. I guess <laughs> that would be something other than conviction. Um, but yeah, family worship. Um, a lot of resources by Paul David Tripp uh, are, are helpful just in the realm of parenting and, and, and trying to um, you know, raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, he's got several different books. Um, got some for teenagers. That one's uh, Age of Opportunity for Parenting Teens. Um, what are the other ones? Uh, Instruments in a Redeemer's Hands is That's a, yeah. not necessarily for just for kids, but it's general for yeah. all of us. Yeah, absolutely that one. Uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart, I think, is yeah. one of his. Or that one might be Ted Tripp. I don't remember. <laughs> it's somebody Tripp. Yeah. Um, but no, those are great resources um, for sure. Uh, the Legacy Podcast is a great resource. <laughs> Shameless plug. I, I, so when I was growing up, um, a, a lot of the classic books were really helpful for me, like um, Mere Christianity mm. and The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I mean, I think those were also um, helpful resources, um, especially in the, um, the, the age and culture we are in now where uh, a lot of truth is subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't. We don't have good arguments, biblical arguments for that truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the those those resources are are very helpful. Yeah. Um, a lot of the how to parent in five easy steps books that we read didn't tend tend to work very well. <laughs> <laughs> so steer clear of those. That's, yeah, that's funny. All right. Well, I think that'll about do it for this episode. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it. Uh, we want to thank you for tuning in and listening um and if you have enjoyed it please share it with your your friends your family your church leaders um, because uh, not again not because we think that we're so wise or have it all together obviously we've said multiple times today that we have failed in this regard um but again we're just um, trying our best and then looking to christ to um you know fill up all that we lack in, in so many areas Uh, and just leaning on his strength to guide us through uh, what we need to do. 